Alrighty, everybody. Good afternoon. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast coming to you on this Monday as we finish up week number 12. A wild and wooly day of fantasy football action yesterday. And uh, we got uh, what we think to be two more games tonight. Seattle comes to Philadelphia. And tomorrow night, the very depleted Baltimore Ravens playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. Wiz, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing uh, doing well. Had a good uh, good week in my league this past week. Uh, put up some big numbers, and that uh, you know, was just another another week of uh, of you know some crucial injuries and some players getting hurt. And uh, shame to see Daniel Jones. You know, is a New Yorkers over here. Uh, you know, talking about the Giants playing so hard and battling, and uh, I hope he's not going to miss extended time. But man, what a what a what a what a tough time to have an injury to such a key player for the Giants. Yeah, timing really sucked uh, in terms of having that happen. Colt McCoy comes in relief, and the Giants squeaked out uh, a win versus the Joe Burrowless uh, Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, you know, as we sit here today, when you open up the newspaper. Or, Look on the internet. The the Giants sit on top of the NFC East at four and seven, as we sit here right now. Uh, obviously, the Eagles will have something to say about that tonight against the Seattle Seahawks. A lot happened yesterday. Uh, you know, you mentioned injuries certainly on a, on a number of different fronts. Some tremendous performances. I actually thought at some point in time that Tyreek Hill uh, was going to actually have over four hundred yards receiving, and Pat Mahomes might. Patrick Mahomes might reach 600 yards passing. By the way, Wiz, I think you should send a little fruit basket to your buddy Eric Brown for that little gift of uh, not only Tyreek Hill, (laughs) but the Saints defense playing against that depleted and woeful uh, Denver Broncos situation. That poor Kendrell Hinton. I mean, he gave it a nice effort, but my goodness gracious, what a... uh, what a disaster yeah, that I mean, was! That's, that's luck. I mean, I got the Saints in a trade a month ago, and and then and then Denver's top four quarterbacks are out, and they got to play a practice squad player. There's nothing, uh, nothing skillful uh, about that. And uh, yeah, I mean, so about going back to Kansas City for a second, you know, talked about like I don't know. I've been talking about this for weeks and weeks now. That it just seems like Patrick Mahomes got a little tired of. You know, at the start, the Dak Prescott and the Russell Wilson and the Josh Allen stuff. And he said, yeah, you know, let's not forget who I am here. And uh, the thing that, that, that kind of I'm amused by when I watch the Chiefs play is when you watch them play, and let's take the game yesterday, for example. Um, let's say you took off the name of the uniform, the names of the players, helmets with no logo, and it was just players out there. You would think that Kansas City is having a practice squad game in August. The plays they're doing, did you see the play where they ran, where it looked like Mahomes was going to move to one side, then he takes a snap running, he pitches it to Hill, Hill pitches it to um, Travis Kelsey, and they had the Philly special play. They did it in a different way, but like Kelsey couldn't decide whether he wanted to run it in or easy toss it to Mahomes for a touchdown. He waited too long and the play got deflected. I mean, 
This is going up against the defense that for 50 minutes didn't let Aaron Rodgers didn't get a first down, and then joking around against them. Like, they could do whatever they want, whenever they want, wherever they want. And, like, at the end of the game, that was another thing that's just so incredible. 99.9% of the teams, you have two-minute warning, second down, the other two team, the other team has no timeouts left. They're going to run it. They're going to run it. They're going to punt it. They're going to let the Bucks take the ball over at their own 20 with 30 seconds to go and no timeouts. Not them. He throws a swing pass to Alaire. He throws a first down to Tyreek Hill. Game over. They're just messing around with other teams. Yeah, it's schoolyard. It's schoolyard. Uh, it's like the plays that you drew up as a kid. You do this, you do that. All these kind of crazy plays drawn in on the on the street and chalk or, or with a rock. That's that's basically what it seems like it is right now. They're just having their way. Hopefully some team is watching this very closely because Eric Bieniemy should make some head coach, some owner very happy as, as he's named a head coach somewhere next year. The same crap won't happen that transpired in this past year. Yeah, I mean, it just the, the, the analogy I would give with Kansas City is Mariano Rivera. He's coming into the game. He's going to throw that cutter. It doesn't matter that every single hitter, every single coach, every single person who's watching the game in the stadium, every single person who's watching on TV knows what pitch is coming. It's coming, and you can't hit it. He's better than you. And that's the sense that you get when you watch Kansas City on offense. Like, he's throwing the ball to 10. He's throwing it to 87. Once in a while, he'll mix it into Robinson, Sammy Watkins, or a swing pass to Alaire. But he's throwing it to 10, and he's throwing it to 87. And you know he's throwing it to 10 and 87, and you can't do anything about it. You know, I love that you just mentioned it in that way because the the other guy I wanted to talk about and we basically uh, he plays a different position but it's the same story and that's what Derrick Henry did yesterday because it was another situation where <laughs> I don't know how many yards he could have had in the particular game where where the where the Tennessee Titans really had their way with an elite defense yes granted they were missing a couple of guys because of covid but I think the same exact thing that you spoke about how how what Mahomes does the same exact thing could be said right now and, and probably has, could be said about in the last 18 months how Derrick Henry has performed as a player. You know it's coming, but my goodness gracious, you're not stopping it. Yeah, I think like some guys think about their careers like trying to tackle him, right? Like, I don't know if you're a cornerback or safety you want to take him on when he's steaming downhill against you? I mean, you know, that, that contract you've been waiting for, it may not happen. You get knocked out or hurt or something like that. So I think there's some business decisions being made by some of those cornerbacks and defensive backs about tackling him. But, yeah, he's a locomotive. And then I love that then they'll sprinkle in, I told you not to worry about A.J. Brown. I told you. Hang in there with A.J. Brown. You were getting so frustrated with him. And, uh, man, I, you know, he's got that number 11 on. He looks like a faster version of Julio Jones. He is big. We saw what he did. He carried four Ravens into the end zone the week before. And then this past week, he outran five Colts for a 70-yard touchdown. I love A.J. Brown. Uh, and I love that. That's a devastating duo of a knockout punch when they belt you with Henry. And then if you're crowding the line of scrimmage, they're going to bop you with an 80-yarder to uh, A.J. Brown or any play. So, yeah. I'm with you on that. 
Yeah, and right now, look, I mean, we talk about the Steelers and the Chiefs in the AFC, but do you really want to play in the playoffs against the Tennessee Titans? I mean, Tannehill as well, you, you look at his numbers, tremendously uh, tremendously efficient. I think he's only thrown four picks all year. Uh, you know, he's really resurrected his career. It's a, it's a good story. It's a well-coached team. Like I, I, we've talked about analogies, as opposed to some of the other rotten Bill Belichick apples as head coaches. They actually had a graphic in one of the games where Bill Belichick Check disciples have a 41% win percentage uh, in their coaching in the NFL, but Mike Vrabel does not fall into that category. That team is playing fantastic and, you know, behind a couple of really strong efforts from those players. Yeah, I think, I think the point about Titans is, uh, are there's only one team who could get the Titans out of their, their game plan, and that's Kansas City. Like, I just feel like the Titans play the Ravens, the Titans play the Bills, the Titans play the Steelers. It's going to be an ugly game, and the Titans love playing all kinds of ugly games. But Kansas City is the one team, they did it the opposite last year, like, you know, Titans had a big lead, and then boom, they scored like seven straight touchdowns on them. But the Chiefs are the only team that could get on top of them and maybe get them out of their game plan and what they want to do. So I think that's a little bit of a bad matchup. But you're right. I mean, the Titans are, are a force to be reckoned with. And speaking of former coaches and assistants with Belichick, you know, you, Matt Patricia um, let go. And, you know, just looking at these jobs are opening up. You know, Matt, Matt Patricia is just a joke. I mean, he's a, he's a, he, he's a maitre d' wearing a chef's hat. He's just a complete joke. So with these jobs opening up, the lines, you know, with, with staff, and, and DeAndre Swift and Galladay, if all those guys on the field healthy, that's really an appealing job. And obviously the Jets and the Texans with Deshaun Watson, even though I kind of get the get – the, get the feeling like they're going to resign or sign again Romeo Cornell uh, to be the head coach. But, I mean, you know, if you're Eric the enemy – you have these options, you know, what do you think is going to be the point uh, that's going to be the tipping uh, to one way or another, where a team can get like a Trevor Lawrence and he could start over with him or get into an existing elite quarterback or, uh, you know, a team like the Lions who have some really tremendous skill players on offense. You know, what, what do you think, how do you think that's going to shape out? You know, it's, 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 it's interesting that, you know, again, we don't script any of this stuff. So I had five teams written down, um, that I wanted to kind of talk about in this kind of coaching discussion. So you mentioned Detroit. You know, they 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 finally you know cut cord with with both Patricia and the GM Bob Quinn. But there's some there's some talent there. And then we look at how, my goodness gracious, the Bears don't have talent. But but I you know we know there needs to be a change there in in a major league way. Uh, funny thing is Matt Nagy actually comes from the from the Andy Reid tree. I look at what's transpiring with the Chargers right now. Anthony Lynn's not going to make it through this. Well, he might not make it through the year. I'm not sure. They keep losing these. They, they keep losing in in very difficult fashion. Uh, they had timeout issues yesterday. But that's a team. If you look at Justin Herbert, that would have some appeal. Uh, it would be interesting because they're in the same division. So if that actually plays out, and then the other two teams I wanted to talk about that did make coaching changes early in the year, and you know. I don't want to play these teams right now. And from a fantasy perspective, you should want to play a lot of the players from there. And look what the Falcons did and have done since since Quinn has been fired there, Dan Quinn. And Houston, do you want to play the Houston Texans right now? Even without a running game, Deshaun Watson is, is playing fantastic. That offense looks very difficult. So 
I think change is in the air all over the place, but those five teams are kind of lumped together where I think one of the, you know, if you look at those scenarios, I think Biennemi would kind of fit. I don't know if he's if the Jets will, if there's enough appeal there. Um, but I think those five teams are all kind of very interesting storylines that you're looking at for a coach to land in. The Bears, less so because they don't, they don't have that elite quarterback right now. And they've got a lot of other issues because they tied so much money into a player like Khalil Mack. But it's just the storylines are interesting when it comes to those other teams. Yeah, you know, I, I just feel if you have a young quarterback like the Jets are most likely going to have if they have, you know, that first pick. Or, you know, the Texans, and he's still certainly considered a young quarterback. And certainly the Chargers, you, you've got to get an offensive mind in there as your head coach. I'm just sorry. I mean, it's just a game we're at. And I just feel like guys like Eric Bieniemy, Joe Brady, that – Offense for the Carolina looks completely different. Um, uh, even Pete Carmichael, uh, the, the Saints offensive coordinator, you've got to get an offensive coordinator. I'm not sure about Brian Lethwich. Maybe he's in the, in, the, in, the, in the conversation as well. But you have got to get an offensive innovator who's going to help these young quarterbacks and help these offensive long. It, it just, it's just the state of the game uh, that we're in right now. And, yeah, I, I think there's going to be some changes. Actually, I could see a Scenario, honestly, where the Bears fire Nagy, the enemy goes somewhere, and then the Chiefs say, "Okay, come back as offensive coordinator." You know, something it, it, you could see a merry-go-round like that. You know, we've seen that happen before. But you know, don't you think that it, where the game is today, you have got to outscore your opponents? There's only a, a, a very few precious teams that try hard on defense and can stop the other team occasionally from scoring. And we have to remember too, the rules are not exactly conducive to, to, to defenses this day and age, but there's no question. And I think you highlight the point about young quarterbacks and, you know, to me, one of the, and, and also some additional young players, you know, you think about it, the Chargers will get some better players back on defense. They are going through some injury stuff there. I actually think the Charger job, because they shouldn't, there's a number of jobs they, they, they shouldn't have lost. They're in a new stadium. Granted, the fan base issue is, is a bit of a problem there. But I think from a talent level, looking at what Justin Herbert has done, uh, thus far, I think that's a really alluring position. You know, you mentioned Trevor Lawrence, wherever he ends up. Watson, very young. There's a number of interesting things going on right now. And, you know, it, it, we're going to be watching those situations. But I'll tell you what, like I said, you don't want to play the Falcons and you don't want to play the the the, uh, the Texans right now because you're going to be in a world of uh, trouble because these teams are playing very inspired football right now. Yeah, I mean, Atlanta season could be much, much differently to those two or three of those games that they had in the bag. You put that in the win column, but yeah, they, um, they could still, the, by the way, they could, st- they could still make the playoffs. Like, and it's yeah, not crazy. They, they, they're fighting hard. I, I, I love it. I, you got to love young way. Cool. He's oh, incredible. My God. Yeah. Um, he's killing yeah. it. One of the players that I wanted to talk about before we get into the games, uh, that'll be the one game tonight and one game tomorrow. And then you could, you know, if there's anything else you wanted to add before we get into the games as well, is Baker Mayfield. And I know the Browns are in three. And I had Baker Mayfield for the first time all year on my love list. And somebody sent me a text today, Joe G, um, who listens to the podcast, every single podcast, and had some, some good points about our podcast. And uh, we're going to introduce some other, you know, maybe another segment about gambling that he, he likes. Uh, I'll talk to you about that. Um, another time, but 
you know, he mentioned that Baker Mayfield did have a good game. I think maybe the second best game he had here from a fantasy perspective. And I had him on the love list. But I don't care I had him on the love list and that he played well. He stinks. And he had – I don't know if you saw the play where – they had Jarvis Landry to his left in the slot and Higgins uh, to his left uh, in the on the outside, and then they kind of like you know sent 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 Landry to the pylon and Higgins cutting across, and both guys went with Landry, and he was literally eight yards away from Higgins for about five seconds, and he couldn't even hit him with the pass. It was it was so bad. And there are other passes. His footwork is just terrible. And it's one thing to get away for, get away with that kind of stuff when you're playing against the Jags and they barely got away with it against the Jags. But even with the greatness of Nick Chubb, who is great, how on earth are the Browns going to beat Kansas City, the Titans, the Bills, the Ravens, the Steelers, how are they going to beat those teams with this guy playing so poorly? I'd give Nick Chubb the ball 50 times if I was playing against him. I, I really would. I, I wouldn't even put it in his hands. You know, I, I think you're right, like against a an opponent like the Jaguars. And truthfully, this is the first game in four games that the, the Browns, we talked about it, that finally played in some decent weather. You know, you went the Baker Mayfield route. I went the Jarvis Landry route. Um, both ended up panning out pr- pretty well. But, yeah, it, it, his footwork is terrible. I look at the standings today, and that team sits at 8-3, and three, and it's a little bit of a head-scratcher because they don't have, you know, that elite quarterback. He is, he is regressed significantly. I think he's paid way too much uh, attention to those uh, stupid progressive commercials. Some of them are funny, actually. But, you know, less so th- than he does on his, uh, on his, on his uh, quarterbacking um, skill set. So it's troubling to see that, and I and I think you know Baker Mayfield has to turn that around. This is this cannot last forever for sure. Two things: one, if he continues to play like that, he's going to be doing those commercials full time for a living. Two, I don't know if you saw the play that Nick Chubb made catching the ball to get them the final first down to ice the game. Otherwise, I think the Jags are going to get that ball and move down the field and kick the winning field goal. So this Nick Chubb just bailing him out, gaming game out, just another day, a humble guy, seven yards of carry, an unbelievable game, just a, a tremendous player. And, uh, you know, hopefully, um, like I said, Hunt won't uh, vulture any more of those touchdowns away from Nick Chubb because he, he's a dynamite player. But yeah, I argue. the other point, Baker uh, Mayfield is going to have to play like an elite quarterback to beat elite teams, especially on the road. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not letting him do that. Like if I'm if I'm Stefanski, I'm I've got to make a better. I, in fact, I do not think they use Nick Chubb enough. Um, that's a that's the type of guy that needs to touch the ball, in my opinion, 25 times a game. And as these as the weather gets colder and in those matchups in the playoffs, you're going to have to lean on that player because right now the Browns are going to the playoffs. Um, they, you know, their schedule works out well. That team's going to probably win 10, 11 games this year, and they're going to find themselves smack dab in the middle of the playoff race in the AFC. And it's got to be done with Nick Chubb carrying the weight on that team. Agree completely. Uh, so before we get to the game tonight and tomorrow night, anything else you wanted to? The only thing I wanted to mention, this, this was one of my uh, better bets of the week. I, I love the uh, Carolina Panthers getting three and a half. I, I think I called your Vikings toothless. Um, and the Jeremy Chin, if you didn't see it, 
scoring uh, an NFL defensive player on consecutive plays, you, you probably won't see it again in the history of the NFL, is a absolute miracle where he picks up a fumble and runs it in and he picks up another fumble and runs it in on the next offensive play. You will never see that again as far as I'm concerned. Just tremendous stuff. Yeah, that was a wild game. Uh, it, you know, it was interesting because on the final touch on the Vikings score, they missed the extra point, but I forget if they called offsides on Carolina or if they actually ran into um, you know, ran, ran into the kicker on the, on the last extra point, but he had a chance to kick it over again. He kicked it, and the Vikings won the game 28-27. And even with uh, 40 seconds to go, Bridgewater hit Curtis Samuel with a big play down the middle, then another catch, uh, I think, to Robbie Anderson, and Joey Sly uh, missed a long field goal, and uh, he made a bunch of them last year. He may have led the league in 50 yarders last year. Missed that. He had a, a poor game. Uh, missing field goals. Field goals blocked. It was a disaster for the special teams for Carolina, but the Vikings held on, and uh, it just typifies the Vikings. I mean, they are just so inconsistent. You never could be quite sure, but... Uh, yeah, you won. Your wager getting three and a half points. Uh, once the extra point uh, was made, you know it didn't matter if Carolina kicked that winning field goal or not. You were going to cover the spread. So, uh, yeah, that was a that that was an interesting game for sure. And and, and we will never see uh, most likely. Although in today's NFL, I've seen things I thought I'd never see either had never happened. So, uh, cr- certainly a crazy crazy way for that game to end. All right, so let's move to uh, discussing these uh, next two games uh, over the course of the next two days. We'll start with the game tonight. And, uh, West, uh, West Coast Russ comes to the East Coast where he uh, is a very successful quarterback. You talked about that before. It's been raining. It's been windy here all day. I haven't looked to see what the game time forecast is going to be like. Um, but Seattle comes in with confidence. And you have Philadelphia, who even though they're in a division that's hotly contested, you've got a you've got a quarterback in Carson Wentz that's lost confidence. They're trying to simplify the playbook. There's talk about Jalen Hurts getting more snaps. So this game should be very very interesting. Um, you know, from from a lot of different perspectives. So what's your take? Your initial take on the game? You know, on on, on the surface, it looks like. You know, the Eagles shouldn't show up. That usually means go the other way. Uh, if you've seen the Seinfeld, Seinfeld episode of Opposite George, you know, sometimes it, it, it's great to see and do at the complete opposite of what you think. And I look at this game, and I think this is an easy game for the Seattle Seahawks. They come in with some confidence. They're healthier on defense. They get Chris Carson coming back. Um, but what do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, as far as the forecast, it looks like it's raining, and then, you know, around game time, it doesn't look to be that bad. I saw something like 60, cool, um, and it didn't look at this point, you know, I have to see as it gets closer to game time, certainly before you put any wagers, DraftKings, player props, you want to really check and, and see if the wind especially uh, is going to make it difficult to throw the ball or kick field goals or anything like that, so that's something you need to look at. But um, some thoughts on the game. Uh, as far as the spread, I'm looking at this right now. The Seahawks are six and 49. So, based on what you said, it would be fair to say that you like the Seahawks laying six. Do you have any view on the total? Uh, no view on the total, but I do like the Seahawks laying six. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't have, I don't have really a, a view on the side or the total in this game. Uh, I really don't, and and just because of the unpredictability of Carson Wentz. And I think you're going to see one of two things 
in this game tonight from Carson Wentz. Either Carson Wentz, when everyone is kind of down on him and everyone's beating him up, he comes up and plays an elite game and leads the Eagles to a victory, or if he doesn't lead them to a victory, he has an outstanding game, or when the second half starts tonight, you're going to see Jalen Hurts in there. It's going to be one or the other. It's going to be Either the terrible Carson Wentz shows up, but this time Peterson with a short leash and he's going to make that change mid-game, or you're going to see him play an outstanding game. It's due to that unpredictability that doesn't allow me to love a side or a total in the game. But I will say that if he makes the decisions that he's made in many games this year, he's not he's not going to finish his game as a starting quarterback. You're going to see... Um, Jalen Hurts not only in there not being a gimmick quarterback on two-point conversion, short yardage play, or four, or other kind of gadget plays, you're going to see Jalen Hurts in there for either the entire half or more than that. So that's my prediction about the game. They either Carson wins when the odds are against him and everyone's down on him will play an elite game, or he's going to make these decisions and uh, Jalen Hurts is going to take over the quarterback this game. Yeah, so the, the the interesting thing is, uh, you know, in this game, uh, and we know how beaten up that offensive line the Eagles has been, and that has not helped Carson Wentz in any way, shape, or form. And, and perhaps, and, and you've mentioned this too, a you know, number of times, how many hits the player has taken, and and maybe the mobility of Hertz gives them a little bit more of an opportunity. Uh, we have to see how that goes. But I wanted to kind of flip to the Seattle side. So I'm always a little bit concerned uh, when it, when players come back from an injury that they've been out with for a while. And, and we saw some sterling results from a couple of guys back yesterday. Austin Eckler returns, goes crazy. Debo Samuel comes back from his injury, goes crazy. Um, do you think the same thing is going to happen with Carson? Or when you look at the way Hyde comes off that last game, they'll kind of split carries a little bit more in this game. Or is this a game where, and they've mentioned that Chris Carson looks good in practice. You know, can you be fully confident to start Chris Carson in this particular game? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Chris Carson will will, will be okay. Uh, I think he was kind of close to coming back last week. And anytime that happens and the team sits him, usually the player is ready to roll. So, yeah, I think Chris Carson in a fantasy game is certainly somebody that you could start pretty much confidence. Um, and the one thing that I'm sure of is, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to the player props, but um, – I like Tyler Lockett a lot in this game um, for a lot of different reasons. Um, so I could see the game playing out in many different ways. I, I could see Seattle getting on top of them and, you know, just, just kind of like smothering them and Hurts getting in there and, you know, him having mixed results. Or I could see Carson Wentz just playing a dynamic game. But in either one of those two scenarios, um, I don't see how Tyler Lockett is not going to have a big game. So that's the one thing that I'm confident about. Uh, I'm not confident about the, you know, how Carson Wentz is going to play and the Eagles skill position players. But as far as the Seahawks go, uh, I'm all in on Tyler Lockett tonight. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I, I was looking at player props and actually came up with six or seven that look look pretty interesting. One's actually moving pretty aggressively in terms of where it started uh, this morning. I think it was it was minus one twelve for the under on Russell Wilson yards two eighty seven and a half. 
and that's now a minus one thirty for that. So you'll get a less of a payout, you know, for for people that are looking at that from a gambling perspective. So that's the direction it's moving in. Uh, I, I also like Carlos Hyde over in yardage rushing. I think it's it was trading around uh, thirty. Two or thirty-three, I can't remember exactly. One guy has not really showed up for a number of weeks, and it's concerning. It's part of the just the anemicness of 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 the of the Eagles' offense. But Travis Fulgham, fifty and a half yards, I like the under there. You know, I'm taking the over on my boy Will Disley this week. Uh, twenty, I think it's twenty-two and a half. And and I was going to do. I, I think I, I'm in agreement with you over and lock it, and as a result of that, maybe an under in Metcalf uh, as a little bit of a, of a play uh, on, on kind of how you think game flow goes. Those, those are the ones that I was looking at for this, for this particular week. I think, I think lock it right now is, uh, what is he at, 60? Let's see, 60... No, actually, Lockett, believe it or not, these people are pretty clever. Uh, they they got the over on Lockett more than the over on Metcalf. Lockett's at 72 and a half, yep. and Lockett's at, and Lockett's 72 and a half, and DK Metcalf's at 69 and a half. So actually, uh, they have Lockett as the um, as the higher total. Yeah, very interesting. So I'm with you though. I, I like Lockett in this particular game. I think it, it it's a matchup that that he's it, that it's it, it matches up well with kind of what the Seahawks are trying to do versus the defensive scheme of the Philadelphia Eagles. Hey, you know, one guy, uh, one guy that is interesting. I think is you know I'm just wondering when Jalen Rager is going to have a breakout game and I'm looking at him and his under and over on receptions is, is, is three and a half right now. And his under and over, uh, as far as receiving yards is 47 and a half. And while it's been a little bit difficult to run against the Seahawks, it certainly has not been difficult to throw against the Seahawks. So uh, what are your thoughts on Rager? I mean, you know, if you like under Fulgham, who's been pretty quiet and, you know, you're not sure about the other guys, is there someone on the Eagles receiving, you know, uh, on their skill positions at receiver that you think it have a big game? And if so, is it Rager? Yeah, I think Rager's a great choice, actually, because I do think it'll be a little bit more challenging. I, I mentioned this on, on the podcast on Friday. I think it'll be a little bit more challenging for Dallas Goddard in this game to operate. Again, just the way the kind of Seattle plays defense, you'll see Jamal Adams at times covering him. So it'll be a little bit different for him. But yeah, I think that's a good selection in, in a player that maybe they can get the ball down the field where the Seahawks corners actually don't cover particularly well. So it's the perfect game to try and get the young receiver unleashed. I know he's watching the guy. Uh, you know, you you were very happy about this, but you, we all, we we thought pre-draft that the Eagles sitting in that position were, were going to take Justin Jefferson at that slot, and they fell to your Minnesota Vikings. So you got to wonder what Eagle fans. I'm sure on talk radio in Philadelphia that's being discussed a lot. But you know, I know Rager's fought with with that injury early in the year. But you have to get the player going. You you drafted him at this position for a reason. So I like your way of thinking here. He's probably very underinvested in going into this particular game, both from a DraftKings sportsbook perspective and actually just a, a pure DraftKings play. All right, uh, let's move on to the game tomorrow night. And uh, right now, the line has mushroomed 10 points for the Steelers. The total is 41 points. The Ravens will be playing with a lot of key, you know, key, key starters missing the game. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, Ingram, Ingram, and of course, the most important player, Lamar Jackson. So, with that being said, 10, 41, they're kind of saying, I guess, uh, 
that uh, if you if you look at the spread and the total, that they're not expecting the Ravens really to score much more than 14 points in this game. Uh, what say you? Line total anything in this game. All right, so Robert Griffin uh, Jr. the third is not uh, Kendall Hinton that was playing quarterback for the Denver, Denver Broncos this past week, but but the scenario is not much different in that the Baltimore Ravens are going to walk into this game in this brutal rivalry without having any practices as teammates. So unless they're sneaking back, sneaking out in a schoolyard somewhere and throwing balls around, they're coming in this game with a depleted offensive personnel going into enemy territory. You've got a pissed off team that's had their schedule altered a number of times. They're 10 and 0. They're looking to do some damage. I think the Steelers are going to inflict a world of whoop ass on the Baltimore Ravens, and they're not going to relent in this particular game. I could see this getting nasty and chippy, but there's so many players missing from the Ravens. I'm actually shocked that that line's only sitting at 10. It probably should be much higher. Um, Again, it's one of those games where I look at the line and it says do the opposite of what you think, but I just do not see a scenario where the Baltimore Ravens are going to compete in this football game. A different view on the game. I mean, I don't think it's going to be a, a Saints Steeler, a Saints Broncos game that you mentioned. You know, the kind of same thing that you know, RG three is not uh, hinted and he could actually throw the ball. But I, I think in a situation like this. I think what you're going to see is the Ravens defense really, really step up and play well. The Steelers won't have Connor for the game. They'll have all of their receivers. But I go back to the first game. Uh, the Ravens really had a good grip on the game. Lamar Jackson threw a crucial interception, and then the Steelers kind of turned around the game and, 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 and kept the momentum. So I think 10 points is, is really high. Uh, I understand the point that they're missing, you know, with such key players, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Pittsburgh won a very, very ugly game like 17-13, 16-13, 20-16, something like that, where Steelers win ugly, but the Ravens keep it close. So that's my view in the game. Now, what I recommend that people go out there and Bet a lot of money on the Ravens. No, if this game was on a Sunday amongst 15 games, would I even look at this game to bet? No, but it's a Tuesday game. It's the only game. Trying to give out some thoughts on the game. So, for me, I'm going to come in the other way. And we talked about each other day in the lines of the 10. I'm going to lean and take the Ravens slightly in the game with 10. Do you think 41 is too many points, or could you see a scenario where it goes over? What do you think? about this total yeah I could see it I could see I could see a scenario where where it does go over I think Pittsburgh's going to put up a lot of points in this game uh, the question is what's the Raven offense going to be able to do uh, I think you've mentioned a player like Justice Hill who he can be an interesting component in this particular game uh, I think we may see a lot more of kids like Devin Duvernay because he's going to get more of an opportunity and for God's sakes we have not seen I got to look in a, in a supermarket and a milk carton to find a picture of uh, Hollywood Brown because he has been MIA. They've got to get that player going in some way, shape, or form. All right, so I know the props are not out. Um, I 
don't know if they will be out. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing they'll have something uh, tomorrow night when they're sure who's playing. But right now, you know, I guess you really can't give player props because you don't really know what the totals are. But do you have any players, DraftKings-wise, that, you know, you feel, okay, that's a sure thing to put your team around that one and maybe sprinkle in some sleepers uh, that you like? For, for the game, particularly tomorrow night? Yeah, just the one. Yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow night, and you know, you could talk about the Monday, Tuesday DraftKings lineup. Maybe uh, you know uh, who they should put in tonight. Uh, I know we both love Tyler Lockett, so I'm assuming he's going to be a key guy for you. So, how about from the game uh, tomorrow night? Who who are people that maybe people could play either a with a lot of confidence or maybe sprinkle in as a as a real sleeper guy? Yeah, I'm just because Hollywood Brown hasn't done anything in such a long time. I don't know where his price is. And Devin Duvernay, I think those are interesting guys along with Justice Hill on the Baltimore side. I'd say on the Pittsburgh side, Benny Snell is probably too low. And I think you might want to sprinkle in the other running back, McFarland, who's going to get an opportunity to play in this ball game. So I, I you know, all those guys, all of those guys are relatively cheap. I think you're going to have a tough time because of kind of the dynamics going into this game, filling out a full salary because <laughs> it's really hard to do so. But those would be guys that I'd be looking to sprinkle in, uh, you know, the three I mentioned from the Baltimore side and the two running backs from Pittsburgh. It's obviously going to be using a lot of the Pittsburgh offensive personnel, you know, the receiving core here between Claypool, Johnson, and Juju. But I think those are the kind of the running back stories. That they're relatively cheap. I mean, you got to put them in every one of your lineups. So for me... From the Steelers' side, considering that there's no Connor, I'm liking Eric Ebron a little bit tomorrow. Uh, he was 4 for 50, I think, in the first time around. I think they may want to kind of use him in the short passing game, um, you know, to be an extension of the running game. So I kind of like Eric Ebron as a receiver uh, for the Steelers. And then from the Ravens' side, you know, I, I, I've talked about Duvernay, and I just don't think the Ravens have either utilized him the right way or been able to get him the ball. But with Willie Sneed missing this game and Mark Andrews missing the game, I think there's a real opportunity for Devin Duvernay to do something in the middle of this field, get deep. I think Pittsburgh's defensive secondary is susceptible to the deep pass. So I'm liking Devin Duvernay uh, at wide receiver to either, even be in, in some gadget plays, running the balls, reverses, jet sweeps. So Devin Duvernay would be one player to sprinkle in. And then I'm going to give out another the player that I'm not even sure has been called up from the practice squad yet for the Ravens. But if he is, and you see this before game time, I am telling you to put in your DraftKings lineup Tyson Williams. He was originally from South Carolina. He transferred to BYU. He had a knee injury that was out a year. Um, he, he's a dynamic runner. He's been with the Ravens practice squad. If you see that player being promoted and on the Ravens roster, I think actually he may be a better runner than Gus Edwards. And he's going to get some opportunities if he's called up. And I, I saw him listed. I think he's at 4,000 for the Tuesday night special or the Monday, Tuesday thing. So Devin Duvernay and even more of a sleeper, Tyson Williams, a player that probably not many people have even heard of. If he's promoted and he's on the Ravens uh, NFL roster before the game, put him in there, sprinkle him in there. You may see him do something against the Steelers tomorrow. 
I love it. I like it. Uh, that, that that is a, that is a deep deep. Sl- is is he on there? Is he on DraftKings right now? He is. He's listed. So it, it leads me to believe that maybe at some point in these last couple of days, I haven't seen it. That maybe the Ravens have promoted him. He's on there at four thousand right now, but. I think you're going to see some Tyson Williams on uh, on Tuesday Night Football, and uh, he's going to be a name that has not been heard of, but come Wednesday morning, there may be people who uh, are happy, very happy to have listened to this podcast. Well, I love uh, I love those little juicy tidbits that you come up with, Wiz, and uh, I, I trust that you've been doing your research, uh, and, and that's, that's a name that's certainly not going to be popular with a lot of people. I tell you, it was really funny this weekend. I did see a couple of people, because of the kind of the weirdness of kind of fantasy football with a guy like Hinton, who was playing the quarterback position, there were a number of guys out there saying, put him in there as, as a flex play at wide receiver. If you played Kendrell Hinton this week, you took a minus one in most leagues. He had nine yards passing, 13 yards rushing, and he got picked off twice. So yeah. In our league, John Cooper picked him up and put him as a wide receiver and got a minus. <laughs> Only John Cooper is what I could say. Only John Oh, that's fantastic. Who are they listening? I mean, Let know, me ask you a question, Wiz. Are they listening? I was laughing. He said, Wiz, I'm picking him up and starting him in every single league I can get him. And, uh, and, uh, and that's what happened. Oh, is that, is that Howie's secret website giving him that advice? I, re- I, really, I really don't know. But uh, honestly, if you're on the same wavelength as Cooper when it comes to pickups and starts, you probably should stop buying your basketball books. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Um, so, yeah, hopefully we get that game tomorrow night. Lots going on. Um, interesting games from both perspectives. I think the playoff race in the NFL is quite fascinating to watch right now. Uh, we have a lot to talk about once these games are done and dusted. You know, we'll probably talk on Wednesday again uh, to talk about the recap on, on what transpired. And then we head into we're not going to have a Thursday night football game next week. Uh, right. Because Dallas was uh, Dallas was supposed to play the Ravens. Yeah. So. We yeah, are which is good, right? We love oh, that. Right? We love that. We are free from the oh. the reign of terror that the NFL puts upon us, making us watch and torture us with Thursday night football. We're not going to get it this week. I, I went against Will Fuller in three leagues. I, I thought I was going to spit up my sweet potato pie when the, 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 the Texans are running trick plays of 40 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, brutal. Absolutely brutal. Uh, luckily, I came back and destroyed my opponents, but... Anyhow, there was a tough Thanksgiving when that was going on. Tough. No question about it. All right, so Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, wrap it up there. Uh, we are on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, enjoy the game tonight and tomorrow. Look forward to catching up about all the action. Wiz, have a great evening. Stay dry, and uh, we'll talk to everybody this coming Wednesday. Have a great rest of your afternoon and evening. <laughs>